Thank you for joining us on our podcast for Faith Center Church. We hope today's message builds you up and brings you hope right where you're at. Hope you enjoyed the message. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew. Cannot wait to preach this message. I've been in the Word for the last several days and just studying in my office. And man, just got some good stuff here for you. You know, for those that wasn't here Wednesday night, I want to reiterate how proud I am of our ladies and our conference that we had. And just everybody stepped up to the plate. Just total, I mean, it was just, everything was done in excellence. From the candy bar to the coffee bar to, you know, food and just everything done in excellence. And Jeff just did a great job cooking and Darren and all those guys did a super job. And I just, I'm so proud of you guys. And, you know, the testimony time was just, just amazing. And I just, you know, every year it seems to get a little bit better and better. I don't know how you're going to top that one. That was really, really good. But read it. I want to read to you in Matthew chapter 14. I love to talk about faith. Amen. We are a faith center. And I love to talk about faith. I want to talk a little bit about it this morning, or a lot about, a lot of bit about it this morning. Matthew 14, verse 28 says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So the Lord said, Come. Everybody say, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. When Peter got down, not Saturday night down, I'm talking about, he got down out of the boat and walked on water to Jesus. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked to Jesus. This message I've entitled today is I am number 12. Look at your neighbor and say, I am number 12. You know, there are a number of words that the Bible uses to describe those of us that have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But if you look at those words, and we'll look at them here a little bit in a minute, but none of those words imply or suggest normalcy. Notice that? The Bible uses words like salt, light, special, chosen, a royal priesthood, blessed, beloved, anointed, peculiar, chosen, above and not beneath. Nothing normal about any of that. All of those words are used to articulate to us who we are. Did you get that? Those words are used to articulate to us who we are in Christ Jesus once we accept Christ. Here's my question. If I am that, why do you have to tell me that? Maybe, maybe it's because even though something is a spiritual truth, doesn't make it my personal experience. When Solomon says in Proverbs, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Which means, maybe one of the reasons God reiterates and repeats to us who we are from his perspective is because God knows we will live in a way that is consistent in the way we see ourselves. Did you see, did you get that? We live in the way that live in a way in the way we see ourselves. Paul would call this mind renewal. God wants to retrain the membrane. Because he knows we will act consistent with the way that we see ourselves. 
for example, an example, number thir- Numbers 13, when it says, we can speak to the enemy and occupy Canaan land. Well, you're going to see the giants. And look at yourself and see yourself as a grasshopper. Because that's what happened in Numbers 13. So watch this. That means you're not going to fight a fixed fight. Not because of who you are, but because of how you see yourself. In this season of our life that we're going through, church, maybe God's not trying to change your mind about the world or external things happening around you. Maybe God's trying to change your mind about who you are. Maybe God's trying to get you to see yourself the way He sees you. God sees you perfect. God sees you complete. God's trying to get you to see yourself the way He sees you so you can act in a way that's consistent with the way He sees you and not the way you see yourself. And so, all throughout Scripture we see this. And I believe there's a pattern in Scripture that God wants us to see based on the principle of, everybody write this word down, exception. Exception. So, What's an exception? An exception is a deviation or abnormality. An exception, watch this, is a rule breaker. You do know your God breaks rules, right? You do know He is a rule breaker, right? That may sound a little bit different, but He is. Because nobody goes into a tomb dead, stays there three days and gets back up. But the God who is the God of the exception. A rule breaker. Is there anybody that can look back over your life and see where God broke some rules for you? Some of you are here today because God broke some rules for you. The only reason you're saying in your mind is because he broke some rules. Because he's a rule breaker. You know what grace does? Watch this. Grace breaks rules. For God to give you what you don't deserve is a rule breaker. Come on. Here's the exception. What happens to them does not dictate or determine what happens to me. Did you hear that? What happens to the other people doesn't dictate or determine what happens to me. It suggests that previous patterns are not are, are accurate indicators of future possibilities. It means you cannot just lump me into some statistical category, church, and then tell me because I fit a certain criteria, that's going to dictate my destiny. You are destiny people. I can't change what happened to everybody else. But what I do know is I serve the God who breaks rules. He's the God of the exception. And what happens with me does not dictate or determine what happens. Or what happens with them does not dictate or determine what happens to me. I know that there may be people that went through what you're going through and they didn't recover. But he's still the God of the exception. I understand that maybe the likelihood of overcoming the obstacles you're going through may be low. But just because something is unlikely doesn't mean it's impossible. Why? Because God is the God of exception. It means you can't look at them and then, you know, 
tell me based on what happened with them. It's what God wants to do with me. God's able to look at your history, church, and say that it has absolutely nothing to do with your destiny. I want everybody to do this right here. Lean in. <laughs> That's going to see what you look like when you did that. <clears throat> Exceptionism. That's not a word. That's, that's a candy word. <laughs> Exceptionism is not the same as exceptionalism. I'll, I'll break that down for you. What we're saying from a Christian perspective is this. We're not saying we're better than, we're saying we're different from. You've got to hear that. We're not better than anybody else. But we are different from the world. Amen? This is not a declaration this morning of superiority. This is a declaration of distinction. And what we're saying is our distinction is not always in our experiences. Our distinction is oftentimes an outcome. So, break that down. What does that mean, Pastor Craig? It means we may go through some of the things, same things that other people go through, but our distinction is not determined by what we go through. It's determined by how we come out. Ooh. We may go through the same thing, but we're not going to come out the same way. I may go in a fiery furnace, but I'm not coming out smelling like smoke. I'm coming out smelling smoke free. I may go in the lion's den like Daniel, but I'm not going to come out being consumed. Yes, we go through what others go through, but we don't have to come out the way others come out. It's called exceptionism. Now, first of all, this is not a denial of normal or reality. But rather what it is, is a belief that we don't have to be ran by them, governed by them, or defined by them. There are always exceptions, so why can't you be one of them? Look at your neighbor and say, I am an exception. I want you to think about this. If you do your research, most people that go into lion's dens don't come out. But with Daniel, God made it what? Exception. If you were to do a focus group, you would discover that women in their 90s don't have children. But with Sarah, God made what? An exception. If you were to do a survey regarding whether or not shouting at walls will make walls fall down. But when Joshua instructed Israel to do that with the walls of Jericho, God made an exception. Teenagers don't defeat a giant. I'm going to get my preach on a little bit like Manny does. Teenagers don't defeat a giant who has been trained in combat their entire life. With a slingshot and a rock. But don't tell my brother David that. Because God made an exception. Dead men don't get out of the grave. But with Jesus, God made an exception. And the same God that did it for Daniel and the Hebrew boys, that did it for Joshua, that did it for David, that did it for Jesus, is the same God that will do it on your behalf. God is a God of exception, and He will make exceptions for His kids. 
There's a word that's often used to describe those that understand and embrace this principle, and that word is grace. Grace. I think, here's the thing about grace. Most Christians understand grace conceptually. They just have a hard time receiving it and walking in it. Conceptually, here's the thing. They understand that God doesn't judge them. They understand that God responds to them according to the finished work of Jesus and everything I do in response to that finished work. Amen? But if I were to ask, do you struggle with condemnation in your life? Many of you would say, yes, I do struggle with that. Why? Because understanding grace and embracing grace are two different things. You've got to embrace grace. So let's go back to our text and let's examine this theory. Peter walked on what other people drown in. The Bible is inundated with people that did a lot of walking. Watch this. This is God walked in the Garden of Eden. Enoch walked with God. Moses walked through the Red Sea. Joshua walked around the walls of Jericho. The disciples walked on the Emmaus Road. Jesus walked on the Via Della Rosa. Throughout scriptures, we see people walking. But in Matthew 14, we see something different. Because in all those other examples I just gave you, they're walking on what? Solid ground. But in Matthew 14, we see an exception. Pay attention right here because this is important. We see two people walking on water. <clears throat> now, contextually, the story transpires right after Jesus performed miracles with two fish and five loaves of bread. As soon as Jesus finished performing this miracle, he told his disciples, get on a boat, I'm going to paraphrase this, get on a boat, go to the other side, I'll pull up on you later. That's basically what he said. I'm going to pull up on you later. You guys get in the boat, y'all go to the other side, I'll pull up on you later. So the disciples get in the boat, the Bible says Jesus does this. He goes off to a solitary place to what? Pray. So, Go back to the boat. He puts the disciples on a boat, sends them on ahead. He goes off to pray, which means they have what? A pretty good head start. The Bible says they had a head start of hours. They're rowing or sailing for hours. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, what do they see? Jesus walking. He's cruising around the boat, walking. They've been rowing. But he's been walking. They had to invest effort to get where they were. They had to do some straining. So they're straining, but Jesus is what? Stepping. They have a head start, but he catches up. While they are exerting all this energy and all this effort, he's what? Praying. Here's what I want you to see. Because Jesus reset himself spiritually, he was able to accelerate himself naturally. That gave me goosebumps. And I'm preaching this thing. I knew that was in my notes. He reset himself spiritually and was able to accelerate himself 
naturally because of it. Some of us are trying to get to places by straining and by rowing in our own effort, not realizing you can get there quicker if you have spiritual stamina. You get that spiritual stamina by praying. It's okay to take a moment and say, you know what? I got to reset, reset myself spiritually. Because while you're rowing your way there, and while you, know, you have a head start, God knows how to get me there another way. Let me just take this time to encourage somebody that may be standing on the shore and looking at others that are ahead of you professionally. Ahead of you relationally. You're waiting to walk the aisle. They've already walked the aisle. They're ahead of you spiritually. I want to let you know that God is the God of the exception. And that means he's a God of acceleration. And he will help you make up for lost time. Watch, here's the, here's the cool thing. They see the silhouette walking on water. And what did, what did Peter do? I've read this scripture for, I've been, for 45 years. I've, I've gone across this scripture several times. Jesus walking on water. And what, did Peter, what does Peter ask? Lord, is that you? Here's the question I got. If you've been with me, walking with me, eating with me, being mentored by me for three years, how do you not recognize me? How? Here's what God showed me. Maybe it's because God doesn't always show up looking like God in a storm. You better catch that right there. They're dealing with a turbulent sea. They're wrestling with the storm. Jesus shows up and Peter's like, who's that? Because God doesn't always look like God in the storm. And so we got to be careful because the text said, they said, it's a ghost. Here's the thing, listen. you got to be careful because a storm will prematurely label something one thing. And then when the storm is over, you look back and say, oh, that was God. It's a ghost. They labeled it. I'm telling you right now. The thing you're calling pain in this season, you're going to look back in another season and say, oh, that was God. My goodness, that was God. The thing that you're saying is a closed door in this season, you're going to look back in another season and say, whew, thank God. That was God. Let me have some singles who are ready to mingle. The thing you're calling a breakup in this season, you're going to look back in another season and say, that was God protecting me. Because God doesn't always show up looking like God in a storm. There have been doors closed in certain seasons of my life that caused pain and caused rejection. But I look back on those seasons and those scenarios and say, thank you, God. That wasn't rejection. That was you protecting me. That was protection. He was protecting me in a season when I didn't have the discernment to avoid walking through the wrong door. So Peter says, okay, Lord, if it's really you, 
tell me to come to you on the water. And the Bible says, we just read it, Jesus said, come. Peter said, okay, God, if it's you, now I'm, I'm not kidding. I mean, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to get out of this boat, I'm going to walk on the water. Jesus said, come. The Bible says that Peter said, now, Lord, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to get out, down out of this boat, and I'm going to walk on that water. And Jesus said, come. Write this down, church. Sometimes we don't walk on water because come is not enough. Sometimes we don't get out of the boat because the word we heard from God is not enough. That's a mic drop statement right there. Jesus, Jesus didn't say, come and I'll show you where to walk on the water. He didn't say, come, take 12 steps this way, take 12 steps that way, you're going to be fine. Because some of you are wired like I am. I'm very detailed-oriented. I don't want to just come. I want to know where we're going, how we're going to get there, how much time is it going to take us to get there. But listen, if we're going to be water walkers, if we're going to walk on water and be the exception, we got to learn how to go on a word, one word from Jesus. Step out on that one word. You've got to learn to move with the information that God gives you at the place he gives it to you. Because listen, God will never, or he will never inform us incompletely, but he will inform us incrementally. And here's the thing. God gives us the information we need, not the information we prefer. The Bible says Peter stepped down out of the boat, walked on water, but Matthew tells us he does that to come toward Jesus. So he's not walking on water for an ego trip. Some just say, I walked on water. He's not trying to spiritualize his ego or his ambition. He's not trying to blow up just to blow up. He's trying to get to Jesus. Now, I saw something in this that's pretty interesting. The text only says that Peter does it. But yet all the disciples, listen, there's 12 potential water walkers in that boat. All the disciples were in the boat, but only Peter had enough whatever you want to call it. And there's a number of words we can use there, faith, ambition, but only Peter stepped out. 11 potential water walkers in the boat, and Peter looked at those 11, and here's what he said, my title, I am number 12. I am number 12. I'm not built for the boat. I'm wired for the water. And I'm not better than you guys, but I'm different. And if you're okay in the boat, that's okay, but I'm not. I can't make my personal decision based on whether the majority is sitting down. So Peter said, I see what the 11 are doing. But what I'm doing is I'm looking at Jesus. i got to make a decision who's going to influence what I do. The one that's walking on water or the 11 people sitting in the boat. Church, if you're going to be a number 12 person, there are times when you're going to have to make a decision and say, I'd rather be like Jesus than the 11 sitting in the boat criticizing everybody else. Can you imagine the pressure that he felt? 
Don't you know what the 11 were saying? Peter, we don't walk on water. Peter, we can't walk on water. That's not what we do. We take the conventional boat. Brother, get yourself back up in this boat. Thomas, I doubt it. I doubt he'll make it. I doubt it. See, he sunk right there. I doubt it. I told you. Peter got out anyway. Can you imagine? He's struggling emotionally, but he got out anyway. Now, I don't know how big this boat was, but Matthew says that Peter got down out of the boat. Now, that's the only way we're able to exemplify this principle I've been talking about of exception. Because to get over the ego, to get over your insecurities, to get over your potential embarrassment, you got to go down. You got to go down. He got down on the boat, walked on water, came toward Jesus. I believe today I'm preaching to a number 12 church. I'm preaching to some number 12 people. People who want to make a difference. People who don't want to just sit around and watch what everybody else does. God would not call you to be a part of a number 12 church if he intended you to live a number 11 life. You've got a number 12 destiny on you. You are a rule breaker. You are a deviator. Come on. You are a testament of the miraculous, miracle, working power of God. You are a number 12 believer. So here's what that means. Sometimes you've got to be okay with being the only one that's not in the boat. <laughs> you've got to come to a place in your life when you, where you realize it's okay if I'm the only one that gets out of the boat. Sometimes number 12s are the only one in the room. The only one taking that approach. The only one that says, I'm not going to allow my age to dictate what I can and cannot do. See, God is sovereign. And God can do anything at any time that he wants to, in any season, for any reason. Don't let culture define you because of your age or your social or economical status. God is a God that will blow culture categories and social norms to perform exceptions. He'll blow them up. Here's the struggles, struggles that number 12s have. Is they don't want to leave the 11s in the boat. I can look around this church and look at some people and I can tell you, and I won't embarrass anybody of course, but I can tell you some people that have walked away from some number 11s because they were dragging you down. Sometimes you've got to walk away from the 11s. They'll drag you down. They won't allow you to reach your destiny, your full potential. And the reason that they do that, the reason the struggle with number 12s have is they don't want to you know, leave the number 11s to the boat because they can't live with themselves if they don't go towards Jesus. They've got, I've got to move. I've got to get out. I've got to do this thing. See, there's tension. Here's why. Because there's pressure to fit in. Teenagers in high school, there's pressure to fit in. There's pressure to stand, but there's pressure to stand out at the same time. 
See, it's not wanting to be weird for weird's sake. It's not wanting to be different for different sake. It's an authentic internal detention that you feel with the connection of the eleven. And you want to be okay. I want to be okay with the boat people. I want to love the boat people. Are you hearing me? I know you want to be okay with them. Here's the problem. You can't. You can't. I believe that I'm talking to some people today and affirming through this message and reaffirming, this is who you are. You are a number 12 person. And hear me, sometimes number 12 doesn't mean just doing different things. Sometimes, watch this, it means doing the same thing different ways. Because everybody walks in the same thing. But what Peter did was he walked on water. He did the same thing, what? A different way. Anybody get anything out of this this morning? You okay? Because you're kind of quiet. So you're taking it in, I guess. Let me give you three things, and I'll be out of your way. i got 13 minutes. Let me give you three things I want you to focus on. Three things. Number one, it'll be on your screen. Embrace your uniqueness. Notice I didn't say, try to understand your uniqueness. I said embrace it because your uniqueness will always feel like awkwardness. You ever feel that? Awkward. I feel awkward. It'll always feel like awkwardness until you get to a season where God shows you its relevance. When we look at Peter, he was impulsive. Go, Go read about Peter. I encourage you this week, read about Peter. He's impulsive. He's temperamental. Brother's unpredictable. He's volatile. He's volatile. Cut a man's ear off. Brother had a temper. But that uniqueness he carried was wired by God. And that same uniqueness is something God used to cause him to step out of the boat and walk on water. Because he had to get to a season where he saw his relevance. There may be some things that, you know, feel weird about you, but yet are one of the most valuable things about you. God's trying to get you to a season where he shows you this is why you're wired this way. So number one, embrace embrace your uniqueness. Number two, you're going to have to walk in the wind. Write it down. Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water. That's amazing. That's a great place to end right there. He walked on water. Woo! Let's go home. Let's have, let's have lunch. But wait a minute. That's not the end of the story. Gets out of the boat, walks on water, and the text says this, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, brother's okay. He's able to walk on water. Got my eyes on Jesus. But the story says, he sees the wind. Everybody say, sees the wind. And when he sees the wind, he takes his eyes off Jesus and begins to sink. I've said this before, but how many know <coughs> when you jump in water over your head, you don't begin to sink? It's a pretty sudden process, isn't it? But notice this, church. The text says he sees the wind. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've never seen wind. Have you ever seen wind? You can't see wind. Now, you can feel the wind. You can hear the wind. 
You can see the effects of the wind, but you cannot see wind. So when Peter started seeing what the wind was affecting, he takes his focus off of Jesus, and when he lost his focus, he lost his balance, and he be, he, when he lost his balance, he sunk. He began to sink. Here's the thing that I've been told for years that's just not true. Peter didn't lose vision. I've, I've been told that. I don't know how long. Well, he just lost his vision. That's why he sunk. No, he lost his focus. He didn't lose his vision. And some of you, you, you haven't lost your vision. You've just lost your focus. It's time to get your focus back in focus. So he's able to walk a little while, and then he begins to sink because he lost his focus. Church, if you and I are going to be number 12 people, we've got to walk with the wind. Stop waiting for the wind to stop blowing. If you live in Oklahoma, it ain't going to happen. Stop waiting for the wind to stop blowing. Now, you might be in a season right now in your life where the wind's not blowing. But keep living. Don't go dying on me. Because something's going to blow in your direction. And if it doesn't blow on you, it's going to blow on something around you. It might blow on your home. It might blow on your children. It might blow on your workplace. Here's the question. Can I keep on walking when the wind is blowing? Because the wind can destroy you. But you being distracted can cause you to destroy yourself. See, walking in the wind means this. I have to have more than just strong faith. Walking in the wind means I got to have long faith faith. The question isn't how strong is my faith, it's how long can I believe. That's for a lot of you out there. And, and I'm, I'm telling somebody that's dealing with the wind right now, keep on walking. Keep, maybe with tears in your eyes, keep on walking. Uh, maybe you got confusion in your mind, I get it, keep on walking. With discouragement in your heart, keep on walking. You've got to walk in the wind. You've got to pray in the wind, and you've got to believe in the wind. So number one, you embrace your uniqueness. Number two, you walk in the wind. Number three, I got eight minutes. Three, yell for the Savior. It's in the text. The Bible says Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus, began to sink, and yet out Jesus. He didn't allow the sinking to cause him to go silent. Hear this. Every water walker will sink. Come on, if you stepped out in faith, you've sunk. I have a few times. You will sink, but you don't have to drown. He didn't drown because he knew to yell for the Savior. The Bible says that Jesus not only picked him up, but he walked him back to safety on the boat. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that water walkers may sink, but they don't have to allow their pride to cause them to drown. What you need to do, instead of looking around, instead of seeing all the circumstances, instead of seeing yourself sinking, you need to yell for the Savior. Jericho walls fell when they what? Shouted. They yelled. Blind Bartimaeus yelled. Jesus, have mercy on me. The metaphor here, church, is not literal 
yelling. His yelling for the Savior was a revelation of his reliance on God and not his own steps. That's what I'm trying to tell you. You've got to rely on God, not yourself. I'm just trying to tell you that no matter how good of a stepper you are, you're going to hit a season when you sink. No matter what you do, God's not going to let you do it without Him. I'm going to stop right there. You are a number 12 believer. We are a number 12 church. And we will continue to be a number 12 church. And just like mom declared, and we prayed this morning over that, uh, you know, this new Corona Delta variant that's going around. Listen, we're going to stand like we stood against, the, against COVID. We're going to stand, amen? And we're going to trust God. We're going to believe. And we're going to be smart. We're not going to be reckless. But we're going to believe God, amen? I want you to stand to your feet if you would. I want us to make this declaration. I want you to say this with me. I am a number 12 Christian. My kids are number 12 kids. My business is a number 12 business. My life will exhibit a number 12 status. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Because I believe you are number 12 people. Father, we leave here today and we thank you, Father, we can take this message and we can use it to our lives starting tomorrow or this afternoon. Father God, I pray as we go about this week that, Father, doors open that need to open, doors close that need to close. Favor is with every person in this building and watching online right now in the name of Jesus. And, Father, I thank you. A hedge of protection is around us spiritually and physically in the name of Jesus.